Paul Airy is an email accessibility consultant who has done a lot of work around typography and also accessibility and inclusive design in email. In this episode, we're talking about how all three of those things are interlinked and why it's important to consider these things in your marketing work. This is Email Talk, a podcast for email geeks by email geeks about how to be a better email geek. I'm Elliot Ross from Action Rocket and Taxi for Email, and I'm your host. So, Paul, welcome. Um, how's it going? Yeah, it's good. Thank you. You good? Yeah, all good. Yeah. Cool. I'm excited for, for recording this, this episode today. Um, so the way, thing, way we do things here is we kick off with three facts about you, but one of them is a lie. And then at the end, we'll, uh, we'll work out which one is the lie. Um, okay. So, three facts about Paul Airy. What have you got? Okay, well, um, the first is I'm a Christian. My faith is really important to me. Cool. Uh, the second is my favourite drink is single malt Scotch whiskey. <laughs> cool. And the third one, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, uh, which can be both good and bad. Ah, interesting. I'm going to need to think about that. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be thinking about that. So, um, uh, yeah, no one really sets out to be an email geek, right? And I've I've known you for quite a while now through various conferences and drinks sure. and wherever. Um, but yeah, how did you end up getting into, um, yeah, especially where you are now, like being the being the person who is this kind of guy who knows everything about type for email and accessibility for email. How did you get from being someone in the street yeah. <laughs> not knowing about email to being, being where you are now? Well, it's, yeah, very interesting story. Um, <laughs> like most people, um, it was kind of by accident, really. Okay. Uh, I was invited to interview for a, a web designer role, actually. Okay. And uh, when I got into the interview... I was told that actually I was being interviewed for an email designer role, which took me a little bit by surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have to confess, at, the, at that moment in time, it was I wasn't really sure about the idea. Um, but I decided that I would, um, if I offered it, I would accept it and I would give it all I got. Um, and I was offered it. Okay. Uh, and I took it and ended up loving the job two weeks in um i i never looked back really so i always say that i kind of fell into and then fell in love with email <laughs> that's cool that's a nice line <laughs> i like what did you uh what did you find about email that was so good well it was really uh and it's i guess this has been the catalyst for my email journey really is that i discovered um that how connected i could be with the people that I was communicating with through email. Mm. So when I started to see uh, reports and metrics come through from um, emails being sent out and discovered that I could see, literally see how people were interacting with what I'd created, it was it was just an amazing moment. Um, and I guess that's been really the driver for the passion that I have to ensure that those experiences that people have of what I create are the best that I can make them. Um, and I've, it's almost been an, an addiction to it <laughs> since then. 
So yeah. yeah. That's cool. Did you ever press the send button or did someone else do that for you? Uh, I've kind of pressed the send button some t- in some roles and not <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Yeah, that's the, um, that's the adrenaline, adrenaline that, rush, right? That's it. But there's certainly the sense of responsibility um, that mm. when you're handing over to the person who is pressing the button, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that is right. So yeah. That's interesting because it, it is different to things like the web because the kind of social contract is different i suppose like people have gone onto a website on their own volition right whereas so if you're making a website obviously you get analytics and things and it's different to email but you get you do get some of that stuff i guess but it's different in email because we're kind of pitching up and saying hey here's something let's start a conversation like you're you're going out there and putting yourself at risk a bit to get something going which is yeah i never really thought about it in those terms yeah and i think there's and we've talked about it in conferences before but unlike the web email is a relationship between mm. between two parties and you know especially with you know with recent double opt-in gdpr and and, and the like mm. um people are choosing to be communicated with in that way so there's a there's almost there's, there's this responsibility for us as the people who are sending this these this content to for that to be great content yeah um, in order that that relationship works, and what you put into it is what you get out of it. So, uh, so yeah, it's it, whereas the web is is it, it, it's it's more transactional. I would suggest it's mm. you know you go to get something, and that's it. That's it, really. That's such a great way to put it, especially because then if you think about what you're doing in those terms, then that's how you be successful, right? And that helps you not get distracted by the kind of you know the the top tips you see on Twitter, like put an exclamation mark at the end of your subject line, and your clicks will go up by ten yeah, percent. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, build a relationship is what we should be doing, but is much more much harder to do than it doing is. that. Yeah, and I think that's that's a really good point because you're in it for the long game. Mm. It's not a quick fix, and 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 that is really important. So when you look at email, that it is over period of time you can't just say oh we've done this thing and it's and it's worked and that's why testing has to be done on over a period of time or you know through um through a series of you know large volume tests yeah and such so you can you begin to understand what's going on yeah that's yeah I've, I've been thinking about that like measuring a test by opens or clicks is seems massively uh disingenuous doesn't it when you actually yeah. think about it yeah, really, you you want conversions or ongoing relationships and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, and then you kind of continued on and, and worked in different places and then ended up being someone who goes to, to Vegas to do workshops and things. Yeah, yeah that's right. I mean, the, the typography um, the typography thing has always been a passion of mine. I, mm. I, I came from a, a print background originally before going to the web. Okay. Um, so... Uh, when I studied at college, it was I was hand drawing type uh, with pens and pencils and and printing with ink and that kind of stuff. So, kind of my background way back is 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 that mm. uh, wonderful place of typography. Uh, so, so yeah, so that's when I began to understand when I got into email, as what does that look like in an email world, and and what does type look like in an email world, and how can it be used, and how can it be used better mm. and what what can be done uh, yeah so. well, that's uh that's a good thing to talk about which is why you're here um, so yeah um 
to uh, to pers- to someone who just comes into email, type on e- type in email basically looks like Arial, right? <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. Arial times. <laughs> No line spacing, no letter spacing, or you know, leading or kerning or whatever. But actually, as you dig into it, you can do some stuff, right? Um, but yeah, so let's uh, let's let's talk a bit about typography. Um, so when it comes to like, if you're a marketer, right? Marketers yeah. trying to get stuff out the door, super busy all the time. Um, I'm going to start by being blunt and say, why <laughs> why should they care about typography? Why is it important? Yeah, that's a really good question, and it's, and I probably take you back to kind of when I got into email because that's probably an apt question to ask at that time because at the time that I began my email career, um, a lot of the emails that were being created, and I don't say all of them, but a lot of them were being created basically by putting lots of images or one big image in an email, and essentially you could choose what any font you want so mm. it didn't have to be airy and it could be it could be anything really mm. and and the advantage of that being is that you can align your typography with your brand and obviously brand is really important and and as such there was a real reluctance at that time um to <laughs> to to go away from images uh, yeah. and and like you say why should you bother when you can actually put an email together very quickly um, you just need somebody who, who's got image editing software like Photoshop to do that. Um, you could even get your print designers to do that. It's it's not that difficult. Uh, yeah. And it was kind of accepted at the time as that's the thing. I mean, and that's kind of when I got into it and I thought, no, this is not the best way. This really isn't <laughs> giving a great experience for people. Yeah. Um, it can be quite clunky as well, right? Like it's about yeah. not necessarily a great experience giving someone an all-image email or whatever. It's, it's perhaps a good... Good experience for the brand police. Yeah. Like they're happy. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've absolutely been in that situation, especially when there's, you know, I used to work at an ESP and there were, there's kind of the agency was involved to a separate, there were the big brand agency and then there's the client and then there's the brand people at the client side. And you get, you have a lot of discussion about what's best for the user versus what's, uh, whether we're using the brand font in an image, basically. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah, and then why that? Why that's not necessarily the, the best idea. Um, yeah. But we have moved forward, I suppose. So you know, it's it's 2020. Um, so what's uh, let's I guess where are things today? Like, what's the kind of temperature, the sort of state of the union for for type in email? Yeah, well, things have moved a, a long way since then, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and. I'd say a lot to do with that is actually technology and how people use it. Okay. So back then, um, mobile, I think the it was a few years after the iPhone had been kind of coming to the market. Right, yeah. Um, which was really the beginnings of people being enabled to access all sorts of things in a completely different way, literally in their hands. And obviously, since the iPhone, we've seen lots of other... Um, Brands launch different products, you know, Android and, and the like. And and so how people engage with digital media is quite different now to what it was then. Uh, whereas back then it was literally you've got, your, you know, your laptop or your desktop pretty much. Yeah. Um, and your, your phones then weren't even capable of doing anything 
uh, <laughs> anything like we can see today. Yeah, I remember, yeah, that kind of, like the early, pre-iPhone, basically the web on, on those things was not worth it, right? No. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, so that's when, that's when it changed, right? Yeah, that's right. And so that's when, and then, and that's when it was like, okay, so I guess the question to myself was, what can we do in this? What is this now enabling us to do, mm. which, uh, which couldn't do before? So, um, so with, uh, with Apple launching the iPhone, with, uh, with the email client on, on the iPhone, um, that they announced actually at the, the launch of the uh, of the iPhone, one of the first things they talked about in terms of software was the email client. Oh yeah, I saw you tweeted that screenshot where it's like yeah. it says like a, a full <laughs> HTML experience email client or whatever. It's like that's a looking back, that's a completely out there thing to announce at an Apple event. It is actually when you when you consider that it was the first thing they mentioned, not the last. It was like yeah. actually, you know, that's that's really interesting um, because it was a bit of a game changer, and it and it meant that. We we now could we could start to work with email in in that space in a completely different way. So um, so we could start to uh, put text in an email and style it a bit differently, and, and the styling would be a lot better. And then the support of web fonts. So web fonts is a is a real step forward. Um, so web fonts. Uh, are fonts that are hosted on a server and not. Um, not on a particular device, right, and they, yeah. they're called in like images, as you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so what that meant was that previously, where brands were trying to style and effectively, essentially, brand their emails with with fonts embedded in images, this could now be achieved with web fonts, and and their their branding really clearly represented. Mm. And so that was a a really big move forward, and, and I would say that even today, um, that is a, a significant change uh, in terms of typography. Uh, so that and the and the layout and the, all the other elements that go along with typography, but certainly that is a is a is a, is a key um, to to making those emails uh, much more. Uh, 2020 rather than 2011. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah. That, that's that's so true, isn't it? Especially if you think about that shift to mobile as well. People are all of a sudden viewing email over 3G, and maybe they've got slower connections, or you know whatever it is. They're taking email out into the world, so we've gone from this environment where everyone's being very static, checking it yeah. at the same computer over and over, and now they're taking it out into the world and. It's not just, um, you know, that, that has a massive effect on so much stuff. Um, but obviously, you know, being being able to send stuff as HTML text and be able to style it a lot better means that you don't get your message lost if it's all hidden in, or it's all trapped in an image and the image doesn't download, for example. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, it's interesting for interaction as well because then people are, you know, all sorts of stuff. We're, we're now designing for people who are walking down the street. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, there's other benefits as well, I and mean, things like um, being able to search your inbox for different content. Oh yeah, that's true. So um, I think it's quite often underrated and probably a little bit undersold is that 
ability to do that. Yeah, and that, that's a massive thing. Like if you're in the queue, the queue for uh, the, the, the shop, and you're trying to find the email to scan to get the discount or whatever, right? Like that's a yeah. this is there must be tons of times when people are doing that sort of stuff, and yeah, we don't think about it at all. Yeah, cool. So, um, so since then, so we've got into this kind of position where we're in we're in a much nicer space, right? So let's talk about retail brands because I think okay. historically they they're the ones that brand is very important to them. Yeah. And the, yeah, like it or lump it, you know, the kind of old school, easier way to do it was do everything in a big image, right? Yeah. Um, so how have they, how have they tr- transitioned? How, how can they transition if they're still doing it? Um, yeah, how, how will it help them? Sure. Well, some still are doing it old school. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, I don't really name and shame, but you can't, it doesn't, <laughs> too much to kind of see what's you know what's out mm, there. Yeah. Um, some brand, some some fashion fashion brands, particularly. Mm. Um, obviously, they're going to have images in there because they want to display their their products, their you know clothes. So you know it's important that they they do that. I think um, where we're seeing uh, typography and that experience come in now is we're getting more of, of a hybrid. So we're, get, we're getting the images and we're getting the text styled. Um, whereas before, it was everything was in an image, uh, as I said. And and so uh, you're getting a mixture. So um, different brands are doing different things. So uh, Marks and Spencers, uh, M&S, uh, they have their own spoke web font. Uh, they can go to those kind of uh, expenses. Um, okay. And they've got um, a couple of fonts. So it's a... Uh, MS London eText, which is a sans serif font, and they've got uh, MS Leeds, uh, which is a serif font, and and they they fall back in, in their emails. So w- when they're not supported, uh, they fall back to uh, Trebuchet MS and Georgia. So so they've got you know a fallback in, in case they they don't mm. um, load up. Uh, and then they, you know, they're using the website as well, so mm. they've got that consistency across. That's um, interesting. Yeah, so you know, they're being more, much more intentional about about using type um, in this way. Mm. Um, a couple of other ones, uh, Liberty London, they also they use a web font, but they use a, a licensed web font as opposed to the bespoke one. Oh, so that's from a foundry that other people can use that kind of. Yeah, stuff. that's okay. right. Um, they use um, Accident's Grotesque Pro, um, which then falls back to Helvetica and then Arial. And then some just use, um, they use just system fonts. Um, so you've got Canon. Um, they use uh, a website font, uh, Central Gothic, uh, but they use it consistently across their emails. So uh, they, you know these different approaches um, to achieve, you know, Good typography um, from a very low cost to, you know, when people have got a bit more budget to play with. Mm. And I guess in for Canon's example, you could almost use it as a backup. So, like for memory, there's an infographic that has this. I'll try and find it. But um, Century Gothic is about 85, 90% of people have it. Yeah. Um, so, you could almost use. Um, use a web font to try and cover that 15% that doesn't. Like you could. You could say it's going to be Century Gothic, and then use use web fonts to try and 
embed it as well as a backup almost. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's quite a good... Um, Futura is quite a close one for that to mm. Century Gothic. It's got similar characteristics in the font. Uh, so, yeah, it's, and I think that's kind of... That's a bit of a good tip, really, is to if you were thinking about using um, web fonts, it's kind of finding the ones that are... Um, where you've got a, a fallback that you've got is a similar um, look and feel. Yeah. Um, the, the the length of paragraphs will be pretty similar when you know when it changes because that could change the layout if if they're too dissimilar. Oh, I see. What I mean, yeah. So, like, if you set font size should be twenty or whatever, you can't change the font size. Like, we don't know whether they've got the font or not, and we can't really change the other stuff. Based that's, on it, yeah, that's yeah. right. So it could be a completely different um, width of characters, um, and then it, the, the layout will change and the look and feel will change. Yeah. So you've got to be mindful of that, and that's part of the design process, understanding what will happen mm. uh, when you know when that option becomes unavailable to people. Yeah, I guess that's going to apply for web fonts as well as um, yeah. But any any example where whatever for whatever reason the specified font that you said isn't going to show up um then it's uh yeah you want to make sure your your formatting and your everything else the design still works as it goes back to, all the way to sans serif i guess yeah that's right um yeah. so let's talk about feedback uh fallbacks for a second um so you mentioned like for mns so they use uh ms london e-text which is their custom bespoke font yeah Sounds like e-text that makes it sound like it's a digital version <laughs> of it as well. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. So, so some people are going to get that because it's been pulled in from a server, right? Yeah. That's like been embedded. Some people aren't going to get it because the break that that journey is going to get broken. Yeah. Um, so you know whatever for whatever reason the embed isn't going to work, so they're going to get Trebuchet or Georgia. Um, what's the what's the kind of breakdown? Like what? Which email clients does it work in, and, and it doesn't, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, pretty much your. <laughs> it's all. It's really down to Apple for the most part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if it's um, if it's if it's iOS um, on the on iPhone or um, or the um the whatever the version on tablet is now. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, it's called like iPad OS or something. That's right. Yeah. There we go. Uh, uh, or um, Mac OS, mm. then you, you you know you got full web font support basically. Um, there are a few other um, email clients that do support web fonts. Um, some of, some of them are really old actually. The Android four point four was I think was the last Android before they changed it. Really, uh, the change um, that that showed web fonts. Um, but yeah, I mean it's pretty it's pretty much. On the whole, broad brush, it's Apple or, or nothing else. <laughs> okay. Um, so then the places where it doesn't work, the biggest ones are going to be sort of Gmail and Outlook, yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's where you want to manage your fallbacks. Yeah. yeah. I think one thing to mention about um, about web fonts in that sense is that what I found interesting in in, in recent times is the that there's a lot more provision of them that in the um, back in the day the the font founders that, that supplied them wouldn't license have an email license, but now they oh, do. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's been an interesting change. 
over the last number of years. Oh. You used to have to buy a, a like a, a website license rather than an email one. So right, yeah, um, yeah. And, and there were also yeah. I remember initially quite a lot of the the foundries that gave you the fonts where you get these custom fonts from or the the brand fonts. Um, their method of sort of securing, uh, basically making sure you don't steal the font is they would host the font themselves and give you a JavaScript, um, yeah. bit of JavaScript to embed it on your website. And obviously you couldn't do that in email. Yeah, so right. <laughs> yeah, I guess they've, they, they've got a bit better at supporting, like technically supporting web fonts coming into email as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, I mean, I think the, you mentioned about support really, um, it's, that's one thing to keep an eye on, keep testing, keep trying to, see if, if there's any changes, um, you know, if any, any support changes have happened. Because mm. um, you never know when, um, when things might, <laughs> might, get, <laughs> might get better. Yeah, it feels like <laughs> right now the big question, like three or four years ago, the question in, the, in email was like, when's Gmail going to do responsive? And now <laughs> the question is partly when's Gmail going to do Google fonts? Yeah, which right, yeah. <laughs> should be, you'd think, a, a given, but yeah. surprisingly, it isn't. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, the irony. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, if we're going from this idea of, of embedding images or your text in your image and, and moving it to sort of live HTML text that is formatted with a web font or the brand font or whatever, um, yeah. it's interesting in here in, in the kind of notes, talking a bit about. Um, some stats that Litmus published, and and really that's you know that's sort of less than half of the recipients. It's probably around half, but it does depend yeah. on your audience, right, and and who's using what. Um, but it is obviously an important thing, um, and especially for people who can see it. You know, that's a, a large, a, a significant improvement for their experience. Yeah. Um, so what can we do about it? Like, what's if you're a, an email dev and you're sitting there and you're thinking, right, I want to get started, what can you do to to get moving on this? Okay. Well, I think in terms of HTML text, live text, as it's also called, um, mm. being intentional about it and actually okay. build it into your practice of creating email um, and think HTML text first before you think even consider embedding anything into an image. Mm. Um, I mean, let that be almost <laughs> your last resort if you really, <laughs> really must. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, I've got nothing against putting text in images if it's purely illustrative. So it, sometimes there's a, there's a reason why you might want to put some text in image in, and it really is for illustration purposes. Mm. As long as it's not got anything to do with the key message that's been um, represented, right? So yeah, so if the images aren't there, the message is still working. Absolutely. So yeah, so that so somebody with that with that image wasn't there, it wouldn't take anything away from what was being said or what how you wanted the recipient to actually respond to it. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, I've seen things uh, where it's it, where it, Text has been used in images in a very stylized way, mm. and it's it's a real creative approach. So it's it, there's a you know it, there's a, a campaign that's that has a very stylized maybe something like um, like spray painted text or you know like um, or or chalked or something like that where it's you know very much it's very much hand done. Yeah, but you can't replicate that. 
yeah. with with live text or HTML. And that's where you can go but all the way back to doing things like um, hand lettering and stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So so th- there are cases where where that's absolutely valid. And, um, and and again, if you're doing that, then you know if you got if the text does actually say something, then you know put it in the alternative text behind it. Right. And, yeah. And and uh, actually describe it for people who um, who need that. So yeah. So yeah. So text in, in images in that context, um, but the rest really um, there's no reason why you shouldn't put everything in in, in HTML text. Cool. And if someone, so say you you know you're a dev or whatever, and you you, you want to go down this route, but you've got people saying no, actually pushing back for whatever reason. You know, it needs to be on brand. We need to have this 100 percent this way in front of people or whatever. What uh, what are some good arguments to kind yeah. of okay. say? You know, actually, this improves yeah. the experience. So it helps us make stuff. Yeah. Well, there's actually lots of benefits, um, and uh, some of those benefits are in, actually in the creation. Okay. Uh, so. Text can be created and styled quickly and easily. You can type it out, literally, um, and you can style it either with inline CSS or, or um, internal, if, you know, oh, whatever yeah. is appropriate. So you're not going back to Photoshop, uploading an image <clears throat> again, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And, yeah. and so if there's any amendments, you can do them quickly as well. You don't have to go back <laughs> into Photoshop. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, yeah, so all that can happen. Um, and also it's... The other factor here is a really important one: is that it can be done by other people than the developers. Yeah. So if you've got a team and you've got copy editors, um, copywriters, um, you've got marketers, that you don't really need to do the HTML stuff because it's you know it's the structure, it's the styling. But if you've got a word change, why do you need the developer on that when you've you know got somebody else? Yeah, so, that's true. And that, so th- those things can be either disruptive or mean that the dev's got to stay late or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, so, so there's a lot of good practical reasons mm. uh, for that. Um, and also, that again, the branding can be achieved easily um, through, through the implementation of web fonts, as we've already talked about. Mm. Um, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, that's, we've already talked about that. <laughs> yeah, but the brand, brand's important for email, right? Because we do have this thing where, you know, people use it for spam and sometimes there's phishing and, and you get, yeah. especially if you're a, a prolific brand, you might get targeted for that kind of stuff. So m- getting across that authenticity or conversely, not having the, the opposite of easy wins, <laughs> you know, yeah. easy losses, I suppose, yeah. um, is, is a really important thing to just... Get, build that trust early. You know, this yeah. is legitimate. This is an important thing from the yeah. people that, that we say it's from. That's, yeah, I mean, that's right. And it's interesting. I'm working with one brand at the moment. Um, and they, they, we've, we've been having this web font discussion. Mm. And, uh, and they're just as, <laughs> they're, they're pro web font. So I'm not having <laughs> to convince them to use them. Mm. But it, what they were saying was really interesting because they said that um, if you strip back, the imagery, um, then pretty much the typography without being styled in a web font could be any brand. Okay, and, yeah. And so it's really important that the web font is implemented because it dis- it identifies us as the as who we are. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it, so it, it 
it's almost gone from a place where it didn't matter to actually now it's becoming more actually crucial to to brands. This is really, really, really important. Yeah. Um, and it, it's the sort of stuff where you'd kind of say, oh, you know, the average person, they don't care what font it is. But, yeah. and, you know, and on a kind of conscious level, they probably don't or they don't recognize yeah. it or they don't say, right, well, this isn't the right font. I'm not going to buy this. But definitely on a subconscious level, they yeah. they recognize that. And they, yeah. you know, it it gives some alarm alarm signals or it gives some, you know, warm, fuzzy signals. Yeah. And I think that you, what you just mentioned about trust there is 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 really part of that. Mm. It's um, an email that I can trust. I'm familiar with it. It's, I, I had um, an email from a brand um, in the last, I think it was the last three or four weeks. Um, and it was different from the other communications they'd sent to me. Okay. Um, and my first instinct when I saw it was, this is this is not legitimate. Yeah. This is spam. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that's what I thought. It transpired that they'd actually changed their branding Oh, without really? telling me about it <laughs> and so i i assumed that their new brand was spam and actually it wasn't <laughs> so that's a bit of a key learning to if you if you are changing things to communicate yeah and it goes comes back to the relationship we talked about before tell your audience tell your recipients what's going on because um that that change is um is it is important to tell people about yeah and yeah. you know it, it even the sort of security side of things like that's vitally important if you're a bank but any any brand you have to log in or you have to transfer some personal yeah. information so it's important for everyone yeah that's right this episode of email talk is sponsored by taxi for email if you're an email marketer you need taxi we help everyone on your team make their best email designers and developers build awesome email design systems with taxi they build out their best HTML, then they use Taxi Syntax to precisely set out how it is then used by content writers, so you can give them the flexibility they need whilst keeping everything on brand and keeping your code intact. Copywriters in Taxi focus on content and not code. They write directly into the email, so they're creating everything in context. That means you can create better content that engages people more and ultimately gets you better results. If you're a marketer, you can dig into things like segmentation, personalization, managing link tracking, making multiple versions of things, and most importantly, you can see what everyone on the team is doing and help them along their way. And once you're done, you can sync Taxi with whatever platform you use to send email. If that sounds good, we'd love to show you more. Go to taxiforemail.com and hit request a demo so we can chat about how Taxi can help your team create their best email. a really good reason to, to actually do a lot of this stuff right um so one thing so you're you've done a lot of talks about typography and yeah I've, I've you know seen you do workshops and things like that what's interesting is you also talk about accessibility yeah and uh these two things are kind of interlinked especially because we're taking you know this idea of taking text out of images important message text taking that out of images and putting it into html there's also a massive benefit on accessibility there um so um i won't talk about that for cool. <laughs> a short while. um so what's uh i i kind of know the answer to this but i'm going to ask on the behalf of people listening and also sure i'm i find it really hard to explain this so 
what what is accessibility and, and why is it important? Okay. Okay. It's probably worth starting off by telling you how I got into accessibility okay. in the first yeah. place. Because thinking about what I said at the beginning about um, this discovering this interaction between the people that I was communicating with, mm. uh, a passion to deliver to them the best experience that they could possibly receive. Getting into typography and just, and understanding how that worked in email, then came a point where I asked myself the question: Okay, what is what next? Mm. What I know that what has been done thus far will enable email to be readable and and I, I kind of don't want to use the word accessible, but <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of naturally coming in yeah, yeah. to be accessible um, to the point where images are no longer text that the text is text okay so so what what's the next step how do, how do i make this this experience more accessible to more people um and that's kind of where the journey started so accessibility to answer your question mm. is literally it's very simple is to make something um more accessible to people, regardless of what, what they have in terms of their, you know, their, their mental uh, or physical limitations, whatever they be, whether they be temporary or or, or long term. Mm. Uh, so basically, it's removing the barriers, any barrier that gets in the way of somebody being able to do something. And so, in email, that means removing the things that are in the way from a person being able to open an email, read an email, engage with an email, and, and yeah, interact with it. So at its very core, that's kind of what it is. Mm, that's a, a really good way of explaining it. <laughs> yeah, like it is, right? And, and I think it's important to recognise that it is... It is... In, obviously, it's important for people who, for whatever reason, need... You know, they, they don't have a, a physical or mental um, ability to to do stuff yeah um but also that it helps everyone in sure. many different ways like that kind of helps have the the kind of what's the roi of it discussion as well yeah, even though that's that, yeah. a really weird conversation I to know. have um, <laughs> but i guess yeah. you know business is business and you do you know obviously part of the roi is not getting sued but yeah but also you do have to think about your time and resources and, and yeah. different things. I mean, um, I, I like yeah. to flip that around and, and ask mm. the question of why would you want to stop people from buying from you? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I mean, it, it kind of, because it, by virtue of not investing in this, you're actually reducing the amount of people that will, in, you know, will engage with you, which will buy into your oh, product or service, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and you know it it makes everybody's life better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it improves it in many ways, right? So you know, you mentioned search, for example. That's a yeah. a complete side effect almost, but yeah, a, a massive one. You know, yeah. people being able to find an old email and, and then yeah. potentially buy off it. That's right. And I mean, the other thing that's kind of happening aside of this is people are engaging with content in a different way. So we're, we're seeing, or rather hearing, uh, <laughs> more from sound technology now. Mm. So in, instead of people reading something, they're asking it. So 
can you you know can you play this can you do this um and you know i i've i've told my phone read this email yeah. <laughs> and so and you can't do that with an image it's got to be in the live text which is next you know that makes it happen so it's not just from an accessibility it's just about it's about making it easy mm. um might make it hard for people when you can make it a lot easier yeah so yeah that's a yeah that it's interesting as well that we we think about and worry about a whole bunch of other things and we don't necessarily think about this as, yeah. as much as we should yeah yeah i mean i I've, I've often thought about that um i've been in <laughs> in numerous discussions about things like um unsubscribe links in emails <laughs> yeah um and and how big should it the unsubscribe link be and what you know where should it be and should we even have it on in the first place of course <laughs> which it should do yeah um and all that energy in the discussion about that rather than how easy is this to use <laughs> so so people don't even want to unsubscribe <laughs> in the first place well yeah that's the, <laughs> that's the goal right like and it's, yeah it's it's the hard work of making it actually you know yeah. do its job yeah yeah that's right yeah let's make uh, it easy to start with <laughs> yeah i did see an unsubscribe link in an image once i'm right. <laughs> gonna make yeah. any friends <laughs> um cool so if people want to get started what can they do like what's a, a good way to to go from not doing anything to doing at least something yeah well there's kind of two you know two levels of approach really um the first one is what we've talked about already mm. um using uh, HTML text or live text um, in uh, in their emails. Mm. That's that's going to take you a long way, to be fair. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, because that allows the emails to be read by screen readers. It's also visually clearer, mm. uh, especially when you're in, in you know in large text. Whether you do that um, with pinch and zoom, which you shouldn't really need to do that. Uh, but when, if you do that, then you, your text is still remains crisp. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah, retina screens and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, um, and it's just easier to read actually. That if you you'll find when it's not pixelated, the, mm. the the resolution is a lot sharper. Obviously, you can do twice the size of an image and reduce it down, but um, but it's it's still not the same when you when you you know got responsive devices that are yeah. changing the changing the sizes. Um, and then applying alternative text to images. Okay. Um, and this is an interesting one because it, it's not it's not it's not really a black and white uh, thing to do. You you've really got to think about how you um, describe the images that you're that that you're you're putting into the mm. uh, alternative text. So you you've got to think about. And I often do this by almost closing my eyes to the email and 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 um, having it read out to me so that. Does it make sense if all I experience from this email is the words being read? So you know, when you when you describe a logo, how do you describe that logo? Do you is it just the words, or you know, do you know what I mean? So you got yeah. to really consider. Um, I've seen a lot of alternative text where it's just alternative text, or it's just <laughs> just you know, it's just it just makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, there's there's some some uh, code editor somewhere just puts the file name in, doesn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, that's <laughs> right. What yeah. it is? That's, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's really not going to help. That's a really good activity, actually. Yeah, just thinking about thinking about what is it that the text is saying here. Yeah. Um, and how does it 
yeah, does it make sense? Because historically, for whatever reason, we've had certain approaches to alt text, and sometimes it's been if you've got text in your image, then put the text in there. And other times it's you know describe what's in the image. Sometimes it's leave it blank. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you you actually do need to think about it, don't you? Rather yeah. than just have a blanket rule. Yeah, that's right. And as much as you'd consider writing the copy that goes around it, mm. you know, because uh, it, it is part of the messaging. Yeah, uh, and I think that's the thing. It's because you can't see it visually, and, it, and it's. I mean, let's face it. When you when you're proofing out an email, you can't see it. You can't see it. Yeah, it's not it's not there to anybody to approve or or not. It's, you really have to be intentional, as I said at the beginning, to yeah to to decide how that's gonna you know how it's gonna sound. Uh, so yeah, so alternative text is is a it. Again, it's a it's a, a winner there, mm. and then there's um, things like well, color contrast is important as well. Okay. Um, this is quite an easy one to do. Um, WebAIM have a contrast checker tool. Oh great! Um, I can give you the link. Yeah, yeah, I'll put um, that in the <laughs> <laughs> And literally, that's a a simple process of um, you put in the color foreground color that you've got you put in the background color you've got and it tells you whether you um whether your color is it passes or fails certain levels of um the web content accessibility guidelines or wcag as it's uh abbreviated to oh that's cool so that that <clears throat> helps you with um color blindness i suppose but there's a whole bunch of other things that, yeah different visual things that that's right yeah. i mean it's, it's mainly the contrast so you've got enough foreground and background um but yeah it's 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 a yeah. You'd be surprised actually when you put some colours in, how they, how the contrast isn't as much as you might might think. Really? It. Um, yeah. So you you know, you, I've had experiences where, um, you know, branding's been created and colours have been supplied, and I've checked them out. So these <laughs> don't, these don't work. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah, these these just are, these have to be you know re, you know refined and often. I've seen brand guidelines like that. So I've seen brand guidelines come along that have been, um, you've got almost the, the standard version of colours and then the accessible version. <laughs> so why not just have an accessible version in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, so. a, it, it, that's interesting because it's a kind of web, like that came out of the web, right? But it, yeah. it, you're right, it should percolate all the way up to sort of people designing brand systems and yeah. things. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So that's I mean if you if you if you are designing brand guidelines you know consider that mm. please <laughs> it's my yeah. plea to you <laughs> um, and then another thing is uh, like avoid anything flashing um, okay, yeah. flashing gifts mm. um, uh, <clears throat> one thing you you probably know about me that I uh, I diagnosed with epilepsy so <laughs> I, okay, yeah. I, I've got first hand experience of what this is mm. what this is this is like from from my point of view. Um, I wouldn't say avoid GIFs at all or animation. Um, don't do that because um, it's it's great in the right context. Uh, but but yeah, just keep the frame rate <laughs> reasonable. Yeah. That's really important, especially because email. You don't. I mean, you do opt into it, but you don't necessarily opt into each email. That's right. Um, you know, yeah, like yeah. if if you know you you have epilepsy or you know it's going to cause you challenges or whatever, you know not to go surfing. Giphy or whatever, right? Yeah. But um, sometimes you don't have a choice, or you're not expecting it in an email yeah. or whatever. Yeah, 
That's yeah. really important. You, you're going to hit the unsubscribe pretty quickly on that. Yeah. That's a good shout. Um, yeah. So you mentioned that, that that's kind of one approach, right, is is uh, taking these things. Um, if you're going to do more, like where's the – what could you do on top to kind of layer up? Yeah, so this is really starting from the ground up. Mm. So, uh, So if you're – in the process of creating a design system, for example, or you're um, you're tasked with basically redesigning emails, uh, whether it's a you know whether it's a one-off or something like that, is design with accessibility in mind um, and get hold of the the web content accessibility guidelines and have a look at those and and, and identify which of those things are are applicable because they're not all applicable that they're actually designed for websites so there's stuff in there that's to do with video content which isn't um technically um relevant although we can link to videos and show videos in some ways but um but yeah so pick out the things that are relevant and then and effectively sense check along along those um okay and yeah to, to align it as as much as you can. It's not black and white um, by this stretch. They yeah. are guidelines and not rules. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> so, so and if you're doing a design system as well, you can kind of codify that stuff, right? Yeah, you can, like, yeah. We yeah, always yeah. do this. This is yeah. important. We've decided this now. Absolutely. I mean, there are some things, interestingly, um, font size isn't defined in okay. there, uh, which took me by surprise when I first started looking at it because I thought something like that would be. But then, I, from my typographic background, Realize that actually, uh, what what font in one size and another isn't doesn't mean visually it's mm. the same size. So you can have two fonts at twelve pixels, for example. Yeah. Um, but they can look different sizes because of the how they're shaped and how they're formed is different. So oh, visually sure, yeah. they look bigger or smaller. Yeah. But technically they are the same. And so, then just resolution <clears throat> and everything else, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. So. So yeah, um, so yeah, that's what I would I would say, and I think the the other thing is, don't just accept those rules. You know, it's like don't just accept best practice. Mm. And this is kind of the journey that I'm on. Thing at the moment really is, is that you know, endeavor to go the extra mile um, and say, okay, well that's what the rules say, but how can we go even further? What can we do? You know, challenge yourself. Mm. What you know, what you know, what what isn't in there that we can do. Uh, what, what experience can, have we identified that can make things even better? Yeah. Um, so yeah. So yeah. I guess that's the <laughs> that's the big one. <laughs> that's a really good place to yeah, kind of call to arms almost, isn't it? Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's really important. I think I've seen. Uh, I guess maybe in one of your talks, you did like a an accessibility switcher almost, or sort of CSS switcher, so a bit yeah. of interactive stuff. Um, I mean that's super potentially down the line for quite a lot of brands right but that it shows how far you can take it yeah i think what well, yeah i think it's gonna take a probably more than i would have liked taken a little <laughs> bit of time for people to start thinking about implementing something like that mm. um but by the same token i've also i'm also aware of brands that have spent an enormous amount of money um um allowing um people to have access to um to to uh content printed on like yellow paper oh okay um because 
that helps in uh, people with dyslexia read uh, the content. Uh, so they've gone to all that expense of doing that when we can actually do that in an email with with you know with the right support. So yeah, that would uh, be fairly easy, right? Just switch yeah. the CSS round and yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's in the switcher that you mentioned. So yeah, it's uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's and for me that right now is kind of what you know what what is next? What can we do? Yeah, um, and uh, yeah. That's a really good point. Like we, that we can do a lot more than print. Yeah, just kind of natively, which is really good. Um, okay, cool. Um, so let's uh, finish up. This is really good stuff. Um, so if you could change one thing about how email works, what would that be? Okay, <laughs> you can only have one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a bit of a think about this because I thought, well, shall I go for the usual thing of you know CSS support everywhere? Or I think <laughs> someone else has already banished Outlook <laughs> to, to Route One Hundred and One. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, well, as we're on typography, I'd like to see full support of web fonts okay. um, across everything um, because it it is so so important as we've, we're becoming to realise, or we are realising, or we've we've all all, all known this for years. Mm. Uh, but brands are kind of catching up with the idea that it's really important. I'd like to say that. I mean, ap- apart from the fact that the whole brand experience actually creatively, it's, it gives you so much more potential to to do some really nice work, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm always inspired by, like, when you see, like, print design is great. There's, there's so much good stuff that's been done in print, especially I like going to a new news agent and going and getting the... It's always weird topics, but, you know, sometimes it's an architecture magazine or I think, like, yeah. some of the surfing magazines are, are really cool. Like, they just have really good layout design and, yeah, you know, people have really thought about how they do it and the typography and things like that. And being able to pull some of that stuff would be amazing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That, that'd be my one thing. That would be that'd be a great <laughs> great place to be. <laughs> um, cool. Um, so let's uh, let's go back to your your three things. Um, uh-huh. So let's have a look. So uh, you're a Christian, and your faith is really important to you. Yeah. Favorite drink is a single malt Scotch whiskey, or your perfectionist, which can be both good and bad. Hmm. So I know you're a Christian. Um, I, I don't want to say that's a, a trick question by saying you're a Christian, but you don't care about your faith. Um, uh, it could be uh, whiskey or... I know that you're a perfectionist. I've seen a lot of what you've done. And it's very it's very precise and it's very intentional, which is... I, I share I share that pain of it being good and bad. Um, oh, I'm, I'm glad you empathise with that. I have, I have a print on my wall at home and it says, uh, done is better than perfect, which I kind of, I do agree with, but also I argue with quite a lot. Yeah. I think there's a level below, which is like, crap is better than not life. Or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, uh, so I'm going to go for the whiskey. I reckon, okay. uh, yeah, you're not a whiskey drinker. Well, actually... They're all true. Ah, that's the twist. <laughs> yeah, that's a twist. Yeah, ah, I'm, that's yeah. Good. As I say, I'm a Christian. I don't really go around lying. So I thought, well, hey, <laughs> yeah, <that'll> be... <laughs> that's all good. But I, I do. I'm, I'm, I do. I don't drink malt, uh, single malt um, whiskey. Is very. It's like a, a bit of a treat more. Than okay, yeah. Um, it's usually a glass of red wine or or a beer. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, but yeah, the malt whiskey is reserved for special. Well. 
that's the yeah. uh, now and again. Yeah, that's the idea. It's like a sort of, like a cigar or something, isn't it? Yeah. It's like you kind of bring it out. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so where's uh, if people want to find out more and and uh, you know see what you've done and what you've written and what you're up to, um, where can they go? Yeah, well, um, people can follow me on Twitter. Um, not cool. Paul underscore Harry. That's that's where I, I, mean, I do a daily post, really. So um, oh, okay. around about most days, where it's where <laughs> where where I can actually um, get buffer to work. So that's what I used to post it. Okay, yeah. Um, one of one it, of the last bits of Twitter that isn't on fire. Yeah, your, right. your little corner of it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So I, I I post something about twelve noon UK time. Okay. Um, on and it's usually to do with. Um, an e- email I've seen, or um, that I want to shout about, um, or it's something typography related or brand. That I'm doing a I've, last couple of weeks. I've actually done a little bit of a kind of a a series. So this this week I've posted about branding and and brand agencies. Oh, that's cool. um, last week was I did um, a few posts around um, like people who. who Small out, you know, small um, companies that do email that you know that are using like Mailchimp or something like that to do emails, but they're still doing email, you know, and mm-hmm. look at what they're doing. Um, so there's, you know, sometimes there's a bit of a theme, sometimes a bit of a, a you know, a whatever's kind of inspired or come up in, in the moment. So, uh, so cool. you, yeah, I find um, doing Twitter, yeah, it just raises the bar so much with a little bit of thought about a series or think what you, you know, even just not posting straight away and just letting it percolate. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's great when you get into conversation. People will start responding to it, and kind of you, know, you can have a bit of a conversation in it. So that's good. Um, yeah, I mean that's the main place. I've got a website as well, but I don't really touch that very much. Um, it's more of a kind of posting place to point to my book, okay. um, and then that's yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. what's your uh, what's the book called? Um, type of email. Oh, cool. So um, it's been out for a number of years now um, to help people really get on this journey that we talked about today um, about how to get to using uh, HTML uh, typography. Cool. So, uh, that's, so a, yeah. that's a good place to, to leave the podcast and go and get yeah get, get moving on. That's right, yeah. Cool. You can start there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I recommend, recommend your book. It's on my... Uh, well, it was on my Kindle. My Kindle's in the office, so you need to go and get it. Um, cool. Cheers, Paul. It's been, uh, it's been great. Thanks, Elliot. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much to Paul for joining us. We've got lots more to come on Email Talk. You can find us on your favourite podcast player and also at emailtalk.co. There's two things you can do to help us. If you can, we'd love you to leave a review or rating on iTunes. And also, please share this podcast with other people that you know who work in email. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.